This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. Hey, Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times 2 Press. Do you have a few friends that want you to uh, help you raise some hell? You got a few of those? I got a few of those. You got a few of those? I do. They going to be at Bonnaroo in a couple of weeks? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) They don't always put it that way, but it's essentially the same Yeah, because when you look at me, you think... Hellraiser. I know. Yeah, they, that's not the type that we uh, roll with, but it's the same. Yeah. Thing. Welcome to the What Podcast. This uh, is uh, a Bonnaroo podcast for Bonnarooians by Bonnarooians. The Bonnarooians being uh, uh, us. That's Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'm Brad Steiner from Hits 96 WDOD in Chattanooga. Just a few days away, it feels like it's right there in our grasps. It's right there, Barry, and I and I. And I feel like, I feel the fever is coming on. The fever is coming on. Absolutely. We had a probably best meeting that I've attended on Sunday. We had our Bonnaroo group meeting. Yeah, yeah, we got our whole team together. We started planning and strategizing what our campsite was going to be. Helped that it was over beers on a beautiful day watching uh, minor league baseball. Right. It was nice. Yeah. But uh, that's what we suggest you do, by the way, get your campsite together and start planning what exactly camp is going to be. We have decided to, uh, you know, get the band back together this year and go all out game. The game got up. Yes, it did. In which way? In what way do you think the game got up? Um, I don't remember so many of us. Brad always is sort of the uh, leader in the uh, of the pack when it comes to amenities. I, I like to make it nice for you guys, yes. Brad bring, brings the uh, solar lights and the picket fence and, right. and that kind of... And the 600 square feet of carpeting. And the carpet. Yeah. Uh, but I think everybody on Sunday was into do adding this and adding that. I don't want to give anything away, but... Uh, yeah, because there pretty, need to be surprises, sure. Pretty crazy ideas. Now, uh, the, uh, the reason why we're going all out is because... Uh, the anticipation, it feels like every single week there's something that makes us more excited and more excited about the festival. And this week, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm really excited about the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because I was going to say, I may surprise you, but I'm going by there. Are you? <laughs> I like. Now, wait a second. That sounds like a drive-by. That sounds like a pop No, I'm going to watch. Okay. Uh, I'm going to watch. I like. 
good country music. I like old country music. It's not something I live with all the time, but every so often I got to turn it on, turn it up. Now, they announced the Grand Ole Opry uh, lineup, which I don't really understand what this is going to be. Is this going to be a stage? Is this just going to be a super jam? What exactly is this? I'm not 100% sure either. I'm wondering if it's like when they had the uh, kind of a New Orleans, was it a tent or a tribute with mm. uh, Alan Toussaint was there? That's right. And it was kind of a smaller deal, but it was a lot of New Orleans flavored acts. I'm not 100% sure. I know it's on the schedule. seems like later in the weekend. Now, when you... When you say that, that uh, now I'm not a country, it's on Sunday, by the way. I don't know country music. I mean, I know the name Brother Osborne. I know some of these people that were announced. Uh, but go through some of the, the, the names. There's one in particular that I that caught my attention. Uh, I would think there might be two. Dale McCurry is the headline. That's the one. Yeah, Dale so, is, uh, he is the, gosh, I don't know if you'd call it second generation. He is the Bill Monroe uh, the living Bill Monroe, I guess. He and his sons continue uh, to tour. I'm not that particular a fan, not particularly that a fan of that type of bluegrass, mm-hmm. that nasally twangy, right. out of tune. That's not my thing. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said it. Your 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 combination that you're not into is nasally twangy and out of tune. No. Oh, come on. No, not no. what. What kind of music fan are you, Barry? Well, Barry he, he plays traditional bluegrass, which to me, there's really only one song played three different ways: fast, faster, and faster. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just my opinion. I know a lot of people like it. I do like a lot of the new grass, as uh, it's called. Um, but I, I've seen Dale, and they're great. I mean, they're all very good at what they do. So I'm looking forward to Bobby Bear. He sort of falls in that again, right after the the Hank Williams and those guys he's he's in that sort of outlaw country kind of right the only one i the only song i remember his is drop kick me jesus <laughs> exactly. drop kick me jesus exactly <laughs> Now, back to Del McCurry, because uh, one of our campmates has a really great story about Del McCurry, because he's been to Bonnaroo before. Yes. And the story pretty much goes that Del McCurry is one of these guys that just doesn't care, and he he will play anywhere, anytime, with anyone, doesn't matter. He's just old school like that. Absolutely. And they were walking around the backstage area, I guess it was before one of his shows, or some after one of his shows, doesn't really matter, they don't really remember, I don't really remember the story specifically, but they're walking around backstage, and Dell's sitting there. A couple of his bandmates are sitting there. And out of nowhere, during a conversation that that our campmate just struck up with Del McCurry, they just did a impromptu song right yeah. there on the spot. That sounds about right. I think Dale fits into that Colonel Bruce Hampton sort of right. camp. Right. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, it. yeah. I remember. Just uh, let's just play. Let's just play right now. Don't care who. Don't care what. Sure. If I can, if I can find your groove, you can find mine. Let's play. And I, that's absolutely Dale. And and I and to add on to what I said, I've always respected that about him. It's just not my go-to listening. Type Who else either. is on there? So you got um, so Bobby Bear, Brothers Bobby Bear, Osborne, right. Old Crow Medicine Show, Lucy Silva's, Lanco, Riders in the Sky, and uh, Nikki Lane. So. Okay, all right. So yeah. it is. I gotta imagine they're gonna be bringing up some other people too. Like random, uh, hey, why don't you come on stage? It sounds like that kind of group. It does sound like that. It, and it sort of sounds like this podcast. If that, you can come on, we'll put you on. It sounds like a Grand Ole Opry Super Jam. <laughs> right, but haven't they done that before? Didn't they do a Grand Ole Opry Super Jam before? Or was that, am I just thinking of the, the normal uh, bluegrass without Ed Helms? That well, super jam. yeah, Ed Helms has helped has hosted a bluegrass thing for that what the last three years running if, yeah it feels like it's a it's a staple and yeah, i think it shocked everybody that wasn't going to be on the, the lineup this year he, i mean who knows he might have been busy or it's may have run its course i don't know but uh yeah they've done that 
And I know they've had some, you know, it's an hour from Nashville, so I know they've had some drop-ins before, which honestly, surprisingly not as many as you might think, or I would think, being so close. Right. I know uh, AC has gone after, that's AC Entertainment, one of the co-founders. I know they now have um, an office in Nashville. The uh, country fest is that same week. CMA fest. CMA fest is that same week. Well, see, the difference between CMA fest and Bonnaroo is that CMA fest are paying them to be there. You know, and not often. I mean, think about this. I mean, if I'm an hour and a half away from you, Barry, are you just going to pop in and help me out? For free? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Maybe once. You better feed me. Right. Yeah. But yeah, they are. I can are. barely get to come over to help me fix my plumbing, much less <laughs> come down an hour and a half, play a show. So there are those conflicts, which in a way, it's kind of unbelievable that Middle Tennessee is the center of the music universe for, for that weekend. For that weekend. It's unbelievable. So. And because it's the center of the universe, it attracts so many eyes, ears, one of which is Relix Magazine. Is it? Would you say a Relix or a Relix? You're I a Relix say Relix. Relix. But well, you know what? I'm going to go Relix then, damn it. <laughs> Fine. You go relics, I go relics. Let's see where the cards <laughs> fall. Tomato. When we started compiling a list of people that we wanted to uh, to talk to, uh, you know, we had our, our, our list, but then more people started coming out of the woodworks uh, who started listening to the podcast. And one of the guys was the editor of Relix Magazine. And he reached out to us early on and said, hey, like the podcast, love to talk to you about it. And I didn't know the history of their connection to Bonnaroo. Yeah. I barely knew that they produced the Bonnaroo Beacon, the magazine, Relix Magazine. They, they do the Bonnaroo Beacon, but I didn't know that they've been there since the beginning. Somebody asked, did they do the very first one? And I didn't know that answer. I, I knew because he had told me in his email that he'd been there since the second one or that they had done it since he had been there since the second one. So I guess maybe I assumed that that's when the beacon started, but uh, yeah, that was really cool. He reached out about week three or four uh, of us doing this and uh, whatever he could do kind of thing. And so obviously we said, we'd love to have you on. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's a perspective that we don't, we don't really have. I mean, we've got some industry people and we've got some Bonnaroo vet people that we've talked to, but I don't know anybody that is sort of almost treats us like breaking news like a news piece well you i think you mentioned it a couple of times in our in our discussion with him that he offers an unbiased uh he's official but not official kind of kind of like us but i mean he he has an insider's view that we don't have to how the festival work and how other festivals work that was sort of interesting well let's talk to a mike greenhouse from relix magazine you going relics or relix i'm Opposite of whatever you're going. Okay. I'm on Relics. We talked to Mike Greenhouse from Relics Magazine next. Awesome. Yeah, thanks Thanks again for uh, for chatting with me. I'm, uh, I'm deep in Bonnaroo in, in my mind right now, too. We're working on the program as we speak. So, What does that entail? What, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, let's, tell, let's tell everybody who you are and what you do, because you've got, you've got a pretty cool story, I think, as far as Bonnaroo goes. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, my name is Mike Greenhouse. I'm the editor-in-chief of Relics Magazine, uh, along with Dean Budnick, who's the other editor-in-chief. And uh, Bonnaroo's had a really uh, you know, long, rich history with Relics. We've been there since uh, the first year in various capacities. Um, I would say our most um, marquee offering is we produced the Bonnaroo Beacon, which is the daily on-site newsletter, uh, or sorry, newspaper for the festival. We've done it uh, every year since the festival's inception. And for about the last 10 years, we've actually also produced the uh, official patrons program, which was given out when uh, people drove into the festival uh, up until last year, and now it is uh, distributed digitally. So, yeah, we've had a a really long history of the fest, as well as being uh, fans and and friends of the promoters and kind of the whole world there. Wait a second. Now, hang on a second. When you say the program, 
Do you mean the book that we all get? The book? Yes, ex- exactly. Yeah. Wait, wait a second. The book's leaving? <laughs> I love the book. Uh, no, yeah, it started last year. Unfortunately, it was. Uh, it's now distributed digitally. So oh, no. Everyone, yeah. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it's 2018, I guess. Uh, everything is moving online, <laughs> unfortunately. Or See, fortunately, we are on a podcast right now. The the book yeah. the book was sort of like my the thing that I brought back, as if yeah. it was like my, that was my token from each possible year. I still have my very first book from yeah. 15 years ago. Me too. Right? Well, I, 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 know, I know how you feel, you know, when I, when I was younger, I used to go to Disney World with my family a lot, and I'd always bring back the map. It kind of felt like a nice little right. reminder of all the things I've done, so. Oh, I was I was sad great. that we moved digitally last year, but it you know it's it's all the same content. We're still actually uh, printing it as we've done uh, in the sorry um, you know producing as we've done in the past on PDF, uh, and now people will just be able to to print it um, when they when they get home or or before they leave. There was something I'm glad, sorry to interrupt, but the uh, one of the things that I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but about 12 years ago the program used to have artist bios in it and then somehow along the way those started going away too did they not yes yeah the the, the bios were you know a, a mainstay in the program for many years and i think you know when you know when the internet just became such a go-to resource for the Bonnaroovian community they moved all the bios onto the website um and you know that it's it's still uh we still produce original content for the program and, and have uh interviews with a bunch of different bands as well as reflections and some other fun and games uh which we're kind of plotting out right now and but uh unfortunately it uh it, people will have to now look on their phones or on their computers or as i said you know use that old printer what i was going to say you mentioned the map that i can always tell how active a Bonnaroo it was for me by how many times that map had been folded <laughs> and pulled out of my pocket. You know. Well, I, I guess I guess this is the official goodbye to the magazine or to the to the program. And I think that there's only one way to say goodbye to something so important to us, and that is, of course, saying goodbye via boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye. So should we use this moment? Just in quietness and and silence to hug and say goodbye to the Bonnaroo program. It was as if we never knew you, Bonnaroo program. Thank you so much for giving us such an amazing run for so long. Mike, that brings up an interesting point. The internet has been a helpful and kind of hurtful in a lot, in some ways for guys like you and me in our business. It's made it easier to, to find information, but it's made it harder in some ways for us to be more creative and find something unique. Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, relics for those listeners who don't know is still a print magazine. We come out eight times a year and are distributed nationally. Uh, we do have two websites, relics.com and jambands.com. And in both those websites have, have been around for about 20 years. So we, you know, we've always tried to have a robust web presence, but it's uh, it's a different time. You know, I, I've, I think that the pendulum has definitely shifted a little bit, and, and these days people are getting their daily news and their daily updates and their festival announcements and sit-in reports and all that good jazz online. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, the magazine is kind of like that that classic vinyl record, something that you, you have as a keepsake, maybe some more in-depth coverage, some historical coverage, um, obviously a great place for large-scale photos and, and investigative journalism of, of some sort in the music world. And, and you know, we, we love the magazine and it's still our marquee offering, but it's a, it's a different world and it's especially, you know, 
since the whole festival scene has started. But, you know, I, I do think that that's something that makes a festival like Bonnaroo or any kind of camping festival so unique and, and so amazing. It, it's because, because you are in a field where um, even though cell reception is a, a lot better than it was back in the day, um, you know, you are a little bit remote and it is a chance to kind of unplug and and uh, at, at least uh, wait to post all your photos a, a little bit. <laughs> Although, uh, it is fun to run around on Instagram on, on site. People who haven't been, let me, let me set the scene again with the Bonnaroo Beacon because Bonnaroo becomes literally a city of between six and 80 or 90,000 people uh, for four days. It has its own post office. Yeah. You can actually send a postcard with a Bonnaroo uh, city line there. Which is odd because considering we were just talking about technology, you could just text. You could just text, <laughs> but it's still cool. But the Beacon is a broadsheet newspaper that comes out uh, each day. So, it you know, not only the only thing missing is they don't deliver a quarter milk at your front door. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> one day, one day. Yeah. But it's really cool. I've always loved, I remember the first time seeing the beacon, I thought, this is really it's, cool. It's one of those things that makes Bonnaroo really special. It's one of those really unique things that I don't know if any other festival does. Um, you know, we, we do do, Relics produces um, the daily newspaper at a few other events. Um, really? Bonnaroo has been the longest standing. We've been doing that, as I said, since the first year. We do it at um, all fishes festivals, um, so we'll be doing it this summer at Curveball. Uh, we've done it over the years at some events that the Dave Matthews Band has done, and mm-hmm. we do it every summer at uh, Lockin Festival, which is a yeah. festival in Virginia that um, actually our publisher, Pete Shapiro, uh, founded and uh, programs. So, you know, we, we do do it at a couple other events, but, you know, Bonnaroo is unique in, in both of this is now the 17th year that we've been doing it, and also just because um, of how all-encompassing and, and diverse the lineup is. You know, the you know, Lockin has a very purposefully curated focus on, on kind of jam bands and collaborations and obviously Fish and Dave Matthews events are, are very single band focused but you know one of the great things about Bonnaroo is that it, it does have such an eclectic lineup and there are so many different stages spread out over um, as you just said at the map such a large footprint so I think that there's there's real value for the newspaper in the in the sense that you know people aren't able to run and see all the music that they would like to um, because there are so many stages and you have to kind of hook it there you know Lockett has one stage with a rotating kind of stage stage on top of that so that there's no downtime in music and, and fish's events. Uh, again, it's, it's one single stage um, where people could kind of camp out in front of that. So, you know, doing a newspaper at, at Bonnaroo uh, kind of allows us to be the eyes and ears for, you know, the places that everyone could get to. And we do print locally in Manchester. So, you That's know, our awesome. team's stays up till four or five, sometimes even six in the morning to, to get that last late night set in there um, and get some photos and a recap of the super jams and kind of the other late night offerings. And then our marketing team picks it up right and early and hopefully it's there by the time people, you know, uh, roll out of bed at the, uh, the crack of 11 a.m. <laughs> well, boy, if you can sleep till 11 a.m. in Bonnaroo, <laughs> So how, how many people do you have actually operating that specific newspaper on a weekend? Um, you know, the, uh, the editorial team is, uh, you know, Dean Budnick, who started the newspaper and is, uh, as I said, the other editor at Relics, um, you know, is uh, still our editor-in-chief and uh, has been doing it for all 17 years. Um, I've uh, I've actually been to 16 of the 17 Bonnaroo's, but I didn't start working on the newspaper until the third year. Um, so I've been doing it every year since then. Um, and we usually have one or two other editorial members uh, and a, a few photographers, and and that's pretty much it. You know, we, we try to solicit some advanced content, like some previews, 
Um, so we have some freelance writers do that. And of course, our, our advertising team, um, you know, helps make the paper possible. We have a team of uh, three or four people. And then we have, uh, you know, one or two people from our marketing team, marketing team distributed. So wow. it's a really small, uh, tight group of people. Um, yeah. And then, you know, once uh, the papers come on site, the you know, Bonnaroo's um, volunteers and support staff are great about getting it around. To the that is shocking to me how lean that is. Yeah. That's shocking yeah. how lean that operation is. Um, yeah, well, Relics also has a, an on-site presence. We have the, the Relics booth where you can get the Bonnaroo beacon as well as subscribe to the magazine. And we, we do have a little bit um, more robust team down there selling the magazines. Uh, we know sometimes we have between 12 and 16 people there. But, um, you know, between... Getting the uh, the booth together, selling magazines, hosting some like meet and greets, and, sure. and dealing with uh, friends and sponsors and whatnot. You know, the the actual team working in the newspaper is is pretty lean to mean. Is that the event that everybody on staff volunteers for around the year? <laughs> yeah, I think that that is uh, that is definitely one of the one of the most. Um, Asked to attend events of all the festivals we do, as, as well as as well as uh, you know, Lock and and the Fish Festival. So pretty much the, the three papers where we do, I'm sorry, the three uh, festivals where we do our newspapers are are always in high demand. You'd be a good one to ask, and I, and I'm not trying to uh, stir anything back up because the ship has sailed, and I, personally I've understood it. But from your your guys' point of view, how has there, how have you seen the sh- the Bonnaroo shift the line F shift because you know it it started as a as a jam band festival and and so many people thought it should always be that so particularly because of your magazine audience and your online audience what is what has that sort of shift been like for you guys well you know, I, I think it you know as you said it's it's there's definitely been a shift over the last seventeen years and i I think in a lot of ways um by the festival shifting, it's it's allowed it to continue on and thrive. And you know, uh, people's music uh, interests change, and the demographic of people who want to go and, and camp for multiple days and have this immersive experience, you know, their interests change as as that demographic gets older and and, and spreads out. Um, but you know, I, I feel that a lot of the the core ethos of the festival, uh, you know, has remained. And and I've always felt, especially in some of the the middle years when you would have a band like Radiohead or Metallica or some of the classic rock and hip hop legends who have come through, it's, it was almost from my perspective, like wh- how would these people do a show when they're placed in front of, you know, a really live music loving crowd, you know, in kind of a, a Bonnaroo, uh, sorry, in, in kind of a classic jam band setting, you know, would, they, would their show change, would the audience interaction change, would their set list change? And it's been a really interesting um, experience kind of watching how that give and take you know, mm-hmm. goes at that. I think one of the reasons that that first Radiohead show in 2006 was considered by them and many others to be one of the, the greatest uh, American Radiohead shows ever is because they were playing for for that passionate you know audience of people who were who were weaned on jam bands and, and grew up in that world and you know from people throwing glow sticks to them being allowed to play a little bit longer and look a little bit deeper into their set list I think that's one of the things that made it such a special experience and I, you know and I think that there's still a lot of that improvisational spirit in the festival's DNA um, whether it's the super jam or some of the um, kind of more activity oriented events going on throughout the festival. And at the end of the day, the fact that people are camped uh, in a field in uh, Tennessee that was, you know, originally uh, a farm, <laughs> it kind of, you know, brings it back to that original jam band experience. I, and and I, I, love, and I think I love that, uh, that I love that note of yours that you're taking uh, just 
artists and putting them in a jam band uh, festival experience and seeing how their show goes. I never thought about it like that, but but then now that I'm thinking about it, it's pretty surprising how well certain artists do in that space. I mean, even this year, Dua Lipa going from a, a tent to a main stage, they must have really liked that show to bring her back. Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie. How do certain of these, these certain types of artists fit that kind of mold is very surprising. Yeah, and I think you know Lionel Richie and uh, and Kenny are, are great examples of that because not only did they you know do their own performances, which were you know really awesome and and, and iconic, and I'm sure for a, a lot of music fans, especially a lot of younger music fans, the first time a lot of people saw them perform uh, in, live in person. You know, but both of those people really um, embraced the spirit. You know, you know Lionel Richie, you know, made a surprise appearance at the festival uh, when he was in Nashville for an awards ceremony. I think the year or two before he did his own set, and then Kenny sat in with Fish um, during their festival closing set. So they both really embraced that kind of spontaneous spirit and and I I think that um, as the festival has evolved and become more eclectic and more um, uh, you know just wider in its interest I, I think there's been a shift in music listening habits in general you know this is the you know, the, the streaming era where people are able to listen to a lot of different types of music and access that really easily. And it's a lot easier to be a, a fan of hip hop and, and jam band music and punk rock and, and classic rock and electronic music than it was at, at the first Bottomer where that was, you know, the festival felt very squarely a, a jam band and Americana festival. Um, you know, just much like Coachella at that point felt very much like a, an Indian punk festival. But if you look at it now, both those festivals have kind of grown to absorb such a, a wide swath of music. Um, and, and at the same time, like, you know, the, the jam band scene has always been a genre that has a really um, broad base. You know, there's electronic-oriented jam bands, there's funk-oriented jam bands, there's country-oriented jam bands, there's indie rock-oriented jam bands. And I think that it was a lot more uh, palatable for people to be able to um, embrace the fact that there would be a hip-hop band playing after a rock band, playing after a folk band, than maybe in another setting, especially, kind of, as I said, in, in the early years before um, having kind of eclectic festivals was you know, more of the norm. That's that's one of the things that uh, we had Jim Burris uh, with Columbia Records as our guest last week, and uh, he he pointed that out, and I think Ashley Caps did or, or during like the third week of doing this that, and we had asked seventeen years ago the music scene was way different. Uh, you didn't have nearly the streaming, you didn't have the options to to locate music, but you also had a, an audience that I don't think was looking for new music quite as much as they do now. And I don't think they were looking for live music quite as much then as they do now. Does it feel like to you that Bonnaroo had something to do that, do with that? Because it sure does to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think that it's, it's in certain ways, it's the, it's the chicken and the egg um, thing, you know, uh, you know, going back to the very first Bonnaroo and, and, you know, and I was there, and I remember a couple of my friends who, at that point, were not into the jam band scene or the Americana scene. They, you know, I came back, and I had the T-shirt, but it had all the bands who had played that year list in the back. And they were looking at it, and they were like, you don't have to be a jam band fan. You could have gone to Bonnaroo. This is after the first one. And they appointed the people like Nora Jones and, mm-hmm. and Jim White and uh, Blind Boys of Alabama and, and bands who you know, were kind of outside the, what, at least at that point, was considered a, a traditional jam band lineup. And you know, the next year, they really started you know 
opened the floodgates. You've had everyone from, you know, Sonic Youth to, you know, Young perform, as well as, you know, um, a little bit deeper focus on some of the media uh, jazz and uh, and funk stuff that has, has always been kind of part of the jam band experience, but definitely wasn't kind of a core late 90s, early 2000s, um, you know, jam band scene mainstay. Um, but, at this, it, but at the same time, I think that when a band, especially early on, when a band played Bonnaroo, they definitely, almost almost like a seal of approval for kind of the, the jam band world. I, you know, I think Tool was a great example of that. After they played and did such a great psychedelic performance, I know a lot of people who came back and uh, started listening to Tool albums, and you know, and now I feel like they're, they're really part of that ecosystem. You know, at the same time, I, I think that, you know, knowing the, people who have programmed Bonnaroo from the beginning, as well as some people who've programmed it more recently. I think that there's, um, you know, there was also something in the air of, you know, music becoming um, more open-minded in terms of, you know, how these different scenes fit together. And, and the jam band scene in general was expanding at that point. There were, you know, the first wave of, what, you know, we call the, the Livetronica bands, the jam bands who had incorporated a lot of live music. Um, there were some hip-hop bands like Jurassic 5 and Blackalicious who had kind of come on the scene. And, and you also had even, you know, your, your core jam bands like, uh, like Fish and Widespread Panic uh, incorporating some covers and some styles that weren't maybe, um you know, part of the Grateful Dead's language, whether it was covering Talking Heads or, or Velvet Underground or inviting some people who, you know, like Vic Chestnut, who weren't part of the jam band world, uh, you know, into their shows and, and onto their stage. When you, uh, you're being a, you're the first person that we can probably ask this uh, who's completely um, not partial to one side or the other, but can you see a big difference in what Bonnaroo was pre-Live Nation to post-Live Nation? Um, you know, I think that I could I could see a little change in in the booking. Just you know, knowing that there were there are certain bands that um, you know C three who books the festival now has uh, has relationships with and books at their festivals um, versus um, some of the bands that um, uh, that you know maybe some of the other promoters had had booked. But you know, I, I do have to say from you know from my perspective and also from talking to people. Um, who who still run the festival? You know, it's it, a lot of the people who have always been part of the the booking conversation, like Ashley and um, and members of his team, as well as some people from the Super Five family and and their staff. You know, are still involved in the booking of the festival and, and making sure that the the vibe is uh, is continuous. Um, and you know, I, I I think that there's also been a, an evolution since you know, Live Nation originally purchased it. I, I, if I'm correct, I think this is the the second year where the booking team has been a little bit different. Uh, I think three years ago, um, you know, when Live Nation owned the festival, they, they had the, the, the Dead and Company and LCD Sound System and, um, and Pearl Jam, you know, three bands with, you know, very long histories at the festival um, at, you know, as their three headliners. So I don't, I don't think it was as, as, um, as, you know, clear a break as um, maybe people like to make it out to be. But, you know, I, I think that um, there's been changes in the booking throughout the festival, but that's, I think, really important if you want to keep the festival feeling fresh and, and also feeling of the moment. Um, a lot of the bands who were at the first Bonnaroo, who I was really excited to see and who I'm still really excited to see when they come to come through New York, either don't play anymore or they or play sporadically or, or have kind of, uh, you know, changed their um, their touring approach and kind of aren't part of the, the festival conversation right now. Yeah, okay, so the reason I ask that is because this year is the first year 
and I don't mean this negatively or positively, it just is, but it's the first year where I can I can absolutely see a specific, or I think, a specific Live Nation decision. Um, it's not bathrooms, it's not pushing the, the walls in closer because the attendance was bad. It, the set times. The set times are different. The set times are shorter. Uh, the set times are down to an hour for some of the headliners. I don't recall that ever happening before. I don't recall uh, that being in the Bonnaroo spirit. And I, I'm wondering if it is a decision based on business, if it's um, a Live Nation call, or if it's something that you alluded to earlier. The audiences, the way that they absorb this thing is different these days. Their attention spans are different. They don't need an hour and a half show, two hour show anymore. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, I'm not 100% sure, um, you know, whose decision it was to change that and, and how they went they went about deciding the set lengths for the headliners, you know, down throughout the festival. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure who would who would be the best person to speak to about that. It just feels, it I, feels like a Live yeah. Nation move. You know, it feels like the first time, and it may not even be a Live Nation move, but it's the first time I feel like something something changed yeah i mean you know, what, we just we just heard today right they added what 15 minutes to m&m which means they took uh took that from anderson pack is that yeah. the, the the theory so it is it is different that going back to what you had said earlier mike it was always sort of as a fan you kind of went expecting some of those legend acts or classic rock acts or whatever to open the open the engine up so to speak because they had time um, so I, I don't know. We mentioned it a little bit last week about this this change, and and well, I don't it just, think it, we it, know either. It just has struck me ever since somebody pointed it out. I, it must have been Reddit. It was somebody that listened to the podcast. I I can't get it out of my head. I don't know why it's consuming me so much, but it <laughs> is it is just so strange. And I don't know if I'm I'm angry about it. I don't know if I'm happy about it. I'm just it it's caught me by surprise, and I don't really know what to make no, of it. I, I don't, Mike. I don't know how many of these podcasts you've listened to, but this is typical of Brad. He has to find <laughs> he has to find something to obsess over. That, that's a change that he's convinced is you know a Russian conspiracy. Right. <laughs> how many yeah, hours have we spent talking about those walls two years yeah, ago? Yeah, and then he gets over it immediately. I don't so. even remember. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, was, I, this is um, this is before um, Baru uh, was part of you know part of that nation. Uh, but I remember a couple of years ago. One of the, the most um, impactful changes is when they kind of moved to one night having the the two the two headliners like it was you know Stevie Wonder and Jay Z almost like co headliners right. and that was kind of an interesting change because it 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 kind of um, early on there was almost this um, energy break between when the the main ten stages kind of winded down mm-hmm. and the big big headlining shows took place and once they uh, kind of almost had this like dual headliner thing it was almost um, it was almost like uh, it was almost like you uh, you had people. Still, not I wouldn't say that anyone stayed in the campground to to miss Stevie Wonder, but people kind of just spread their attention throughout the festival a little bit more because those yeah, they just weren't done yet, and right. uh, you know, and some people were you know running up to the stage to get close to Stevie Wonder really quickly. That's a great point because the and I didn't really think about it in that light, but the parade went away. That what you're talking about is that early evening right before the headliner people used to go back to camp and shower maybe and yeah. catch their breath and and get a, a beer or a nap or whatever and then the big push for the all-nighter and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of went away with the uh, earlier headliner didn't it 
Yeah, and I think well, I think this year actually, I'm just looking at the schedule now. It looks like some of the headliners are are even later than usual. I remember, I remember, I think last year it might have been a little bit later too, which is kind of cool. That's actually something that um, they do a lot of European festivals. Like the headliner will go on at about eleven o'clock instead yeah. of nine o'clock, which yeah. one because it the heat and everything and two yeah, where, people where else you have to be right <laughs> yeah exactly see so much music one of the great things about the about whoever gets the headline bonner whether it's you know a band like the killers or headline the first time or wives for panic at the first one is that it's the only time during the entire festival that so many people that people from all different backgrounds who came to the festival for all the different music kind of come together and have one shared experience. And it is a really cool energy. And I was thinking about, I, especially when you talk about some of the, these rock and roll legends with devoted fan base, whether it's a Billy Joel or a Bruce Springsteen, you know, they're playing for probably for the first time in a long time for a fan base who maybe isn't fam- is familiar with their music as some of the hardcore fans who go to their show. And it's really interesting to see how they respond to that, both musically, as I said, and as well as with their set list and just with the kind of the whole energy of the experience. As, as a professional editor of a, of a well-received um, publication, how do you absorb this festival 15 years, 16 years in? How do you do it? Do you set a playlist? Do you um, set a... Um uh, a graph for yourself? Do you do you find the artists that you want to find, or do you, or do you just throw it up against the wall and see what sticks? What is your plan? How do you how do you go about moving around the farm? Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with what we're playing the cover and who who I wanted to also check out, um, you know, for the magazine. But you know, still to this day, whenever when they announce the lineup and especially when they drop the set times, I, I check it out and see who's playing which days and if there's bands I haven't heard of. Um, and as I've gotten a little bit older, maybe a little bit out of touch with some of the, you know, new electronic music and kind of new rising rock bands, you know, I sometimes I'll check some of them out in advance to get a sense of what they sound like, if I want to see their show or, or talk to friends, um, both in the industry as well as out of the industry and get their recommendations. And, you know, once I get on site, I, I like to bounce around and, and check out as much music as possible. Um, and over the years, there's been so many times where I've seen a band for the first time at Bonnaroo. And on the flip side, if there's a band that we're, we're covering for the magazine um, who are doing their Bonnaroo show, it's really cool to kind of see them during that moment as you know their career is, is rising. You know, If you see a band at a, a smaller club in New York City and you see their, their big Bonnaroo show playing in front of 10,000 people and, and then when they, they move back to New York, it's almost like you had a shared experience with them down, <laughs> down in Manchester. Yeah. How fluid is that decision? Do you guys go into the weekend knowing who your cover is going to be, or do you come out of it say saying uh, you know A, B, or C killed it? Uh, you, the cover for the magazine, you yeah, mean, or for the, yeah. for the, uh, um, yeah, the, the whoever who's on the cover of the magazine doesn't necessarily correlate to who's playing Bonnaroo. Um, our June issue is always our festival issue, and we try to um, either put somebody who is playing a lot of festivals on the cover or uh, a younger band who we kind of feel like, you know, captures the, okay. the spirit of the, of the festival experience that summer. So for instance, um, Jack White is on our June cover this year. Uh, he's not at Bonnaroo, but he's at a lot of other great festivals this summer, like um, Governor's Ball here in New York. Uh, but in years past, you know, we've had My Morning Jacket on the cover when they played Bonnaroo. We've had Dawes on the cover when they played Bonnaroo. We've had Real Estate on the cover when they played Bonnaroo. And we've had uh, a bunch of other bands who 
um, you, you know, we I feel like kind of captured that entire festival vibe, that mixture of a high energy live show and kind of a, a, a passionate fan base on the cover. Well, um, even if they aren't playing Bonnaroo, that, that's just a year. I'll go you the same question for the for the magazine or for the uh, for the Bonnaroo Beacon. I was going to ask the same thing. Yeah, yeah, just take the same theory. Is that is that how you work it for the Beacon, or are you just uh, you know? Can you be swayed in one direction or the other based on the the events of the night? You know, we always try to have at least um, one shot of the headliner on the cover. Um, in the past, um, there's definitely been times where maybe a performer seemed like something of the, of the underdog going in, and we're like, wow, this, these guys are great, or they clearly were the, you know, the breakout band of the day, and we put them on the cover of the Beacon the next morning. You know, I, I think two great examples of that are when Mumford & Sons and Phoenix uh, – both played the witch stage and kind of drew those capacity crowds that got it almost felt like headline performances, even though it was the second stage. And it, it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen at that stage. I've yeah, never seen a bigger massive. stage at that witch or the cr- bigger crowd at that witch stage that day. Yeah, I, I think that you know when they had Phoenix the year before, I'd never seen a bigger crowd. And then the next year when they had Mumford and Sons, they managed to top that. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't you? Am I? wrong or misremembering that you, Courtney Burnett, you guys did that Thursday show, wasn't that one of those where sort of the the buzz around her was caused you to uh, reach out or had you already planned that or am I completely misremembering? Um, yeah, well, you know, the, I think you, you know, the, Thursday, the Thursday night at Bonnaroo has been always been a, a great night of surprises and, and again if people who haven't been to the festival the the two main stages are dark that night right. so people are able to kind of run around and check out some of the smaller bands in the tents instead of you know finding their spot in these big fields and uh every year i feel like there's been you know a, a breakout band dating back to the early years when i think i saw ray lamontagne for the first time there yeah. um and i saw steel train uh which you know is uh featured jack antonoff who became a, a member of Fun and, and leader of Bleachers and a, and a great producer, uh, maybe for the second time uh, on that Thursday. And, and in recent years, I feel like there's always been, you know, one act who maybe we've we've gone in with our antennas up and, and then come out, you know, being super fan of, and Courtney was definitely one of them. Um, going back a few years before that, uh, I think all J did a yeah. Thursday night spot that the, really the Thursday, left an impression. The, the yeah. Thursday lineup, if you if you just compiled what they've done on Thursday into one lineup, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you've got the it is just such a wonderful um what are the thing they grow little uh, the, the the hatchery they they grow the eggs in? The incubator. incubator. It is an amazing yeah. incubator for the industry. Whether it's the shakes, Saint Paul and the Broken Bones, Courtney Barnett, Moon Taxi. Alt J. It does. I mean, Thursday is so phenomenal for that reason. It's my favorite day of the entire festival. Definitely, and I, I think the ultimate example of that was in 2008 on Thursday when you had MGMT and Vampire Weekend and I think Battles, uh, you know, all in a row uh, in one of those tents. <laughs> and pretty good. All those and all those and that was like the first time too where it, members of both Vampire Weekend and MGMT were at the first Bonnaroo and they came back at that point I guess six years later as these kind of buzz bands and it almost was like cemented Thursday of the night where you better get there early because that's tomorrow's headliner and I, those bands uh, you know even playing in the same bill just feels crazy now. And the fact that they were playing within, you know, an hour of each other is, is insane. Well, who's, who's your Thursday pick then? Who, who do you think it's going to be? Uh, I need to look at the, look at the schedule here. I have, I have not uh, I'm, gonna, I'm putting my money on pigeons playing ping pong. 
Um, I, lo- I love pigeons playing ping pong. We actually have a, a big feature of them in the magazine. Um, Spaffords in the jam band scene too. Those bands kind of feel like the, the next vanguard of kind of the, the classic jam band festival bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that pigeon set from one to two thirty. that's a great time to make some fans. No, yeah, I, I don't think, sleep on don't sleep on floor either. It's a little poppy, but floor is very nice. I thought you were going to say a little uh, punny. Okay. But, uh, no, <laughs> but, but okay. I you know I think this is great. We just I, I think unintentionally maybe we summed Bonnaroo up by the whole Thursday thing. It's the everybody's in a great mood. Every the attitude is great. You're still fresh for the most part. There's bands there that you maybe haven't heard of, so you're experimenting. And you walk away with uh, a favorite new band kind of thing. And that, to me, is... It started my love affair with Alabama Shakes. Because I saw them at Bonnaroo, I saw them 15 more times in one year. I got obsessed because yeah. of that show yeah. at Bonnaroo. That, that, um, that Thursday night show they did is one of the most iconic Bonnaroo sets in my mind of all time. Just wow. the way that they kind of came in there and, and had this this energy that felt very Bonnaroo and a mix of all these styles that felt very Bonnaroo and just walked away with so many new fans. And I had, actually, I had been lucky enough to, to see Brittany in the band in New York maybe a year beforehand or, or almost a year beforehand and just to come and see them play for so many people was, it was amazing. It's the last time I remember hearing a band on, say, like a, a social media site or a Spotify not knowing anything about them and then being introduced to them in that space and that's the first time I'm being introduced Introduced them live. Oh my God! How yeah. unassuming she was. How looked like they came off the street and they yeah. just blew everybody away. And I'm glad that you think of it as highly as I do because I can go right back to that feeling that I had the moment that I set eyes on her for the first time. I didn't know what I was expecting, but I sure as hell wasn't expecting that. Yeah, that, it's such an amazing show, and you, you felt from that right, that moment there that. You, they're now a Bonnaroo band and they will be with the festival yeah. for a long time and they have and they've returned as, as higher on the bill. They've been part of Super Jams and other special events and you know I've seen members of the band kind of just wandering around the festival as fans right. that, right. that they haven't even played. We mentioned it before. There, you can feel it, right? There is a different feeling with a song. We, we'll hear one on the radio and think, I can imagine that at one in the afternoon off right. the, the That Tent or I can picture this at one in the morning. Uh, it just has a different feeling feel to it at least for me yeah and that's that's why we love it so much that's why we love bonnaroo so much so if you were to rattle off the bands that you are absolutely on your must list who are you going to see oh uh, let me let me pull up this let's get mike's here. picks we're gonna do barry and brad's picks yeah, here in a couple of weeks <laughs> but let's get mike's picks you're a professional with this you're much more and you're much more qualified than we are you know i, I feel like uh this year there's a there's a couple different groups of bands that i'm really excited for um there's what i would call the 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 bonnaroo hometown heroes coming back as now kind of these big marquee bands and i would say you know revivalists and moon taxi definitely top that list of bands who have been at the festival for a while and kind of and capture that ethos um you know Silvanesso, I'm, I'm a huge fan of i think that they're great and capture such a great um element of the festival and, and just psychedelic music in general for some of the um you know more indie rock side you know again the broken social scene is is always someone who i love, I love so seeing much. And are really seem to be coming, you know, coming back through the ranks. Uh, you know, St. Paul and the Broken Bones again. You know, they're they're a, a classic Bonnaroo band of, of someone who went from being a fan to you know volunteering at the festival to now being pretty high up there on, on the marquee. I'm uh, personally excited to see the uh, Grand Ole Opry stage and see see how that plays out. Um, that seems really like a really cool, unique way to kind of have that 
jam band, Bonner Spirit, but yet something completely different. Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, see a band like Old Crow, who were at the first uh, at the first Bonner come back. Um, it's they, great. Was and, it the first Bonner? I didn't know that. Yeah, they wow. were at, they were at the, they were at the first one. Um, I I did believe they might be the only band in the lineup who played the first Bonner and are playing this year in the in the same form. I think there's probably members of various bands who have at this year's lineup with, with um with with different projects. Um but I believe they might be the only one uh who is there year one and year this year and a little bit in the in the in the smaller font on the uh the seeing eye chart of I love Pond, um which are part of the Tame Apollo family. They're they're great. Um Southern Avenue is a really great uh soul band from Memphis who actually just played New York last week who are who are really awesome. Uh, the Texas Gentlemen are, you know, kind of remind me of, uh, you know, the band in that they both back other bands as well as have their own material, and I think are going to walk away with a with a really strong following. Um, Bruno Major is really great. Uh, I had an opportunity to see him last year. Um, you know, going through here, you know, there's there's just like the legends like Mavis Staples and uh, Amadou and Miriam. I'm excited for both of them. And uh, you know, I, we touched on this uh, a little bit before, but you know, some of the Thursday bands. Um, again, you know, that's a great time to check out a band like you know Friendship, who I've never seen, or um, you know get a little bit deeper into pitches playing ping pong and, and Spafford and kind of see what they bring I, to this big stage. I don't want to give away my pick, but I'm going to say this as many times as I can. Japanese breakfast, Japanese breakfast, Japanese <laughs> breakfast, Japanese breakfast. I love her so much. I cannot wait to see that show and, and, and whatever it is, that spacey album of hers, I cannot wait to see that live. You know, we ain't in New York. Uh, we don't get, we don't get them coming through very often. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you know, that that's so much music to to jump into, and and probably if we if we talk on the Monday after the festival, I've seen like another five bands who we didn't even mention right, now. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I guess the the way the way that I think about you is is you're removed from the product, but if you didn't really love the product, you wouldn't be doing it on a on a yearly basis, right? Absolutely. I mean, Bonnaroo is is it's like Thanksgiving. You know, it's every year. It's it's on that calendar, and you know, it's it's something that uh, I look forward to throughout. The year and it's it's very busy obviously with the, with the newspaper and, and the program leading into it and just having such a big team down there but it's always a really special experience there's a lot of friends and, and industry contacts that I pretty much only get to see in person that weekend so that's always really special um, you know I have some friends from college who I always run into um, at the festival and it's really nice to be able to you know reconnect with them and, and see new music and kind of see how our, our tastes have changed and expanded and in a lot of ways stayed the same and uh, it's just a great weekend and it's also been great to see how the festival's grown you know I, I think it there's very few things in life where I could say I've done it pretty much every single year for 17 years right and you know could kind of pinpoint what I was listening to, where I was in my life, and then coming back to the same place with the same, you know, largely the same uh, infrastructure of the stages and the tents and the fountain and all that jazz, and kind of assess, you know, you know where things are for myself and for the, you know, the music scene that we love so much. And that is a great point. I I have committed more of my, I, I've committed more years to Bonner than I have anything else in my life. Yeah. I mean, anything else important to me, not even close to meet the amount of time that I have uh, dedicated to, to this festival. That is insane now to think about it. I'm going to guess Hillary would like to beg to differ. She's number two. <laughs> She's number I've two. been to more bothers than I've been with the wife. Okay, well, I can't do that or the children, but uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same. And it's been fascinating for me to watch, literally, the music world change 
uh, and that four days is a big part of it. I also wanted to say, Mike, because you because you and I are in the same sort of business, so the the newspaper and the magazine. People don't understand. It's a lot of work, isn't it? I mean, we're up there. Absolutely, there's yeah. nowhere else I would rather be, but. It's a it's work from guys. You don't. I mean, you see yeah, me working. I work. Notice very, I didn't mention his name, Mike. I, I didn't bring him into this. Very hard doing this no. radio thing, guys. It's it's a lot of work and then a lot of fun. But even the work is fun. So, I, I, man, thank you so much. Let's let's uh, grab a show together when we get to Bono. I'd love to. Yeah, meet yeah, you. yeah, yeah. We're gonna I'll be, I'll be there. We'll we'll look you up. You're gonna be in uh, the media area most of the time, right? Yeah, I'll be in the media area and running around and seeing music. So, come on, you come know, on. where do you camp? Uh, we actually stay at uh, at one of the hotels. Okay, I got the newspaper. So, well, come on back I mean, to over, camp. Over, up over the years, over the years, I I have camped many times. You know, I've done it all from a <laughs> from a tent next to a car to a RV to a tour bus to the hotel. I've done the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're we're, we're back great. in guest camping. So, we're, come on back to Camp Nut Butter. You absolutely, come back and get a Bloody Mary. Yeah, all right. Sounds great. Now. That sounds awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. We Thank appreciate you so much. The What Podcast with Barry Corder and Brad Steiner. That's Barry. I'm Brad. That was Mike from Relix Magazine. And, uh, you know, we've asked for his picks. We've gotten our campsite picks. Now we want your picks. We want to hear what you are going to be seeing at Bonnaroo. Because in the coming weeks, uh, as we get closer, we only have like three weeks left. Three more podcasts to go. We're going to do Barry's picks here in a few weeks. We'll do my picks. But we want to get your picks, the, the bands that we must see that you are suggesting to us, and we want you to send them in to us at thewhatpodcast.com. Yeah, are we more interested in the obvious ones or the surprise ones or just whatever they want to, just whatever um, they think? Well, here's the way that I'm, gonna, the way that I'm going to uh, give you mine. I'm going to say, uh, here's what I'm going to go to. Uh, here are the ones that you cannot miss. Yeah. If I'm suggesting something to my campsite, these are the ones that I want our camp as a group to go to. See, I don't really care if you go with me to insert, you know, Muse. I don't right. care. Right, right. But there are some artists that I absolutely want my camp to engage yeah. with. Okay. So that's sort of the way that I, I go about it. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I just want to hear some of your picks so we can compile them and have our very final podcast right before Bonnaroo be the what podcast listener picks i'll do it the same way i'll do the ones this, these are the ones that i'm going to and then i'll do the music snob ones these okay. are the ones that i if i turn you on to this person it will have been a good weekend oh there you go that's like, exactly right so the whatpodcast.com send us your list of bands that uh will feature on the podcast we will uh, pick and choose some of uh, your suggestions bands that we should see that can't not be missed at Bonnaroo 2018, thewhatpodcast.com, or you can do the what underscore podcast on Twitter. I guess uh, next week will be my po- my picks. We'll go my picks. Go yours next week, and then mine, and then we'll hopefully get some input from uh, from our listeners who, who, we say it every week, but thank you guys so much. The, yeah, thank you the, very much. The emails and the notes and the watching the numbers climb has been really very cool. I wonder if you could, uh, based on now doing this, what, 10 weeks, if, Barry, you could figure out my list. I wonder if you could go ahead and pick what do you think I'm going to be choosing for next week. See, that's one of those tricks, because if, if I say yes, you're going to throw curves just, <laughs> just to be, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I could probably get close. I can't wait to see uh, 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 exactly. Walden. I can't, uh, can't wait. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do it. After all this, I think that you know exactly where I'm going this what year. What was it? What's the term that uh, Mike used? Small font bands? Yes, right. Yeah, those <laughs> I guys. Like I wanted to add, uh, we've talked about Bonnaroo being more than just the live music. 
Uh, I had a chance to talk to uh, David Conover. It's been a while ago. There are so many things from the green mm-hmm. uh, efforts that they do, the money that goes into Manchester. A lot of you guys aren't, you know, you don't live around here, so you don't follow it as closely as maybe we do. But Bonnaroo pumps a ton of money into Manchester, a ton of money into the state. Uh, they have all kinds of initiatives. If if you're coming for the first time, spend some time in Santeru to to see what all is there. One of those is uh, Grundy County Food Bank. Uh, David Conover and his family they get they started a program or they actually picked up a program. They go around at the end of each day and get the extra food. No kidding from the vendors. Really. And then they give that to the poor in Grundy County, which is literally, I think, the poorest county in the country. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's, they're everywhere. And uh, boy, I, if you came at me, if I was, bring me some Cray Musties. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That my kind of guy. Yeah. That's a really amazing thing for him to do. What yeah, a, there's a, saint. a ton of that. Uh, they, and you talked to him. Yeah, I talked to him because, you know, they're relatively close. And he actually, his wife and I went to high school together, of all things. Oh, my goodness. Totally unrelated. But, you guys, uh, You guys dated. No, no, she's a little older. Okay, well, that's sure that's your type. <laughs> um, but it's really cool, and he talk. He gives us a, a brief little, uh, okay. you know, a description of what it is they do. But it's really, really cool that this food, instead of being thrown away, which it would, goes to feed uh, needy people. I never knew that for a Let's, long time. I never knew that. Let's listen to that. So my name is David Conover. Um, I live in Chattanooga, but about six or seven years ago, 2011, um, 2012, my parents. My mom and my stepdad uh, live in Monteagle, Tennessee, and they were directors of the Grundy County Food Bank. And uh, they started a program. A lady from that was in touch with Bonnaroo reached out to them to start a program where they took all the uh, unused food, donated food, drinks, vegetables, meat, products, anything that could be not perishable, they could use to donate to the food bank. So in 2011, they started out working directly with uh, the caterer, uh, Wild Hair Catering. Jim Woods is the director of that, and he uh, donated approximately 6,000 pounds of food to the program. And since that time, we've kind of reached out to vendors, caterers, the food services, and each year we've grown from 6,000 to this year almost 50,000 pounds. All the food goes to programs for the Grundy County is one of the poorest counties in the nation. Uh, I mean, in yeah, in the nation, in Tennessee especially. The food goes to the programs for the in Grundy County for the jail, the senior homes, the mental institute there. And so anyway, and then they have families that come and get packs of food, I guess maybe on a weekly or monthly basis. So they make little care packages for just the tons of families that in need and they'll come and pick them up so so we drive we promote it on monday to all the vendors with a big meeting we promote it during the week thursday friday saturday sunday pass out brochures and get the word out they have all our contact information and on monday when they're closing down we make a round trips and we have phone ready and email and everything and text and just spend all day picking up food and take it to the food bank so and this was food that would otherwise just be thrown away, right? Right, exactly. So, yes, you know, a lot of stuff they maybe could take to another show, but a lot of it they just have to, to dump. We will see you next week on the What Podcast with my picks. Hey, 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 hey! How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.